Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Amen. Come on, get your hugs in, get your hugs in. Amen, and let's go ahead and find the seat. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Come on, God is good. All the time. Amen, amen. Hey, I would love for you guys to do this. If you have a, a notebook... Um, that you they could open up. Maybe you take notes on, your, on a notebook. Maybe you take um, notes on your pad, on your iPad, on a smart device, your phone. Go ahead and open up a notes pages. And I want to invite you to, to write this down today. I want to invite you to write this down. Uh, today we're going to get into part five. It's pretty crazy that this has become five, five weeks, five consecutive weeks in this dialogue of what it is to be a loving neighbor. And uh, if you could write this down um, on, on your notepad there, write this down. Yes, it's loving neighbor part five, but write this down. Don't be noisy. Look, look at someone and just, maybe you love them real, real, real much, real much. You just love them real much today and just say, don't be noisy. Yeah. You know, that, that stuff could get you in trouble. You know, don't be noisy. Don't be noisy. Um, anyone know any noisy people? Anyone know? Don't point at me and, and look at me. But, but how many of you live with a noisy person? Anyone live with a noisy person? Yeah. How many of you live with a few noisy people? Okay, wow. Good. How many of you have like a noisy person at work? All right. All right. How many times um, has this noisy person at times, have, have they just aggravated you? Just like, oh, just not today. Like, keep it down a couple of decimals. Like, not today. Like, you, it's you're just... You're too noisy. Have you ever felt like telling someone that? I wonder how many of you have actually told someone that. You're just too noisy. Um, I, I want to get into that today. Don't be noisy. Uh, as today marks five weeks, right? Five weeks in which we've been speaking on this theme, loving neighbor. Um, we've been so encouraged as a church, I know I have as an individual, to take action. Where love is not just what we feel. How many of us believe this? But love is also what we do. I'll say it again. Love is not just what we feel. Love is also what we do. And that's so important. So important that, that hopefully if you've been here for all the five weeks, or for some of them, that you've heard the call to respond. And, and what are you responding to? You're responding to the preaching of his word. How many of you guys know that the word of God is not just to memorize? The word of God is also to respond to it. Any takers with me? It's, it's, it's I, I hear, you know, Jesus would teach and he says, for he who has ears, let him hear. That, that statement, for he who has ears, let him hear, was more of a statement to respond to what you just heard. You know, you know faith grows, right? And do you know how faith grows? By hearing. And by hearing the word of God. But what good is any kind of faith if it's not being lived out? Everything in scripture is calling us to respond to that which is true. 
So hopefully we're responding to what the Lord has been speaking to us through loving neighbor. We've had the opportunity to even participate and, and make love an action uh, through our Nest Love Challenge. If you ripped up those little papers, if you remember that a few weeks back, and maybe some of you put them up. I, um, someone was telling me today they took them by a Starbucks, and they put them up on the Starbucks, and another individual put them up in, in North Miami. Where was that at? Uh, Whole Foods. And, and people are taking um, acts of love. And, and good, I, I, at least we could start somewhere, and it's, it's more of an of a encouragement that you can do it. Sometimes you just need to be told that you can do it, and then you do it, and then you're like, wow, I can do it. So I should keep doing it. And through the disaster of Hurricane Dorian um, and through this pain, we see that we can still love. And we could still love towards our neighbor. And, and in life, with our very own next-door neighbors, through disaster, through pain, through turmoil, we have the ability to love our neighbor. The hurricane, as we just spoke about it, the hurricane that hit the Bahamas, um, I believe this. You know, we're, we're talking about loving our neighbor and we threw out a challenge. The church is going to be open on Saturday. The church is going to be open on Sunday. You could also give. And um, I believe it was a call to action. We've been talking for five weeks in loving our neighbor. This huge hurricane hits our next door neighbors. Like Bahamas is not that far from us. And now God says, let me see if this church, if this community of people, if this family is going to come together and practice what they preach. And will they love um, the Bahamas and, and will they uh, be called to action and, and many of us have we've been called to action right now they don't want anyone to go over there because it's so bad there, there's going to be times where people will go and and help build again and help clean up but right now it's 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 not a good place to be it's very dangerous there's a lot of stuff going on over there they don't want people right now to lose control of what's happening over there so but there's a lot that we can still do you don't have to necessarily go over there to do good and to love and, and, and what an awesome opportunity we had with the hurricane that we would not be just uh, so worried about our land, but extend love and support to a land and a people that, that are in desperate need, um, like the Bahamas. So, so what we did was, as you see it when you walked in, the little, um, all, the, all the goods there in the front, um, we immediately took action to collect um, both monetary funds and, and goods so that we could send it out. And what a great opportunity as a church, as a whole, to come together and to be and show God's love and compassion. Amen? To be a loving neighbor. Everyone say loving neighbor. Yeah, so, so again, we thank you and we honor that and we want to continue to grow in that. Amen. But, but as we get into this fifth installment, fifth part of this series of loving neighbor, and I say don't be noisy. There's a reason why I said that. And I think immediately of Paul, and, and this is where God took me to. And, I, and I'm going to, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, this message is very unique and it's different than other messages that I've preached here, especially in the last few weeks. Actually, this message was a message that I was going to share to yesterday's group. I was going to share this uh, to our more group that's been coming um, and meeting. But something happened that I felt like the Lord wanted to speak something else to them. And then this was a good um, message to kind of pour into a loving neighbor. And uh, that God wanted the whole church to hear this. So it's, it's unique because the way it's formatted was not necessarily as a Sunday sermon. But I'm going to share with you um, what God was showing me through loving neighbor, don't be noisy. And it starts with where he took me in 1 Corinthians 13. How many of you have read the passage of love in 1 Corinthians 13? But Paul lays out an, uh, this amazing truth 
in 1 Corinthians 13. And Paul writes things like this. I mean, straight from the beginning, Paul writes this. He says, I can speak in tongues. I can speak in languages of men and of angels. I, I can have gifts of prophecy. One, well, another translation says, I can have prophetic powers. I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. I can have all the faith that I can remove mountains. I can give everything I have to the poor. Look what he says next. I can even give up my body to be burned. I could, my, I could give up my body for hardships for others. I was actually going to have big poster boards. And have one individual with a poster board up here that says, I can speak in tongues. Have another individual up here that says, I have the gift of prophecy. Have another individual that says, I understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge. Paul says. Another person that says, I have all the faith to move mountains. Another one that says, I give to the poor. Another one that says, I will give my body for Jesus. And I was going to have every single person stand up here and say, which one would you choose? If you could pick one of these gifts, man, what would it be? What, what would you run to? I mean, I look at these, right, speaking in tongues of man and of angels. I, have all, I always say, man, if I, have, if, I have one, if I have one gift, it's to teleport. But, but another one would be, I wish I could know every single language on earth. I could get work anywhere. I, could, I mean, I'd probably maybe run to that one because I could have both the angelic tongue and the tongues of man. Or the gift of prophecy. I could understand all the mysteries. That's a good one. I have all wisdom and knowledge and all the mysteries combined. Or maybe I could have all the faith. Which one would you run to? And here is Paul. And there's a reason why we're building up 1 Corinthians 13, these first few verses here. Because Paul is laying out some, some he's going to lay out some truths here. He says, look at all the things that I can do. Everyone say, I can do. Yeah, I can do all these things. I mean, if you study the life of Paul, he could do these things. I mean, Paul resurrects dead people. I mean, he forgot to mention that one. I can resurrect a dead person that fell off. Like, but... but but Paul can do all these things. And I think what he's writing down, he's not just like describing gifts that people have. I think he's actually describing gifts that he operates in. I speak in tongues and I have understanding of mysteries and all knowledge. I, I prophesy. I have faith that can move mountains. I, I, I give to the poor. I give up my body. I mean, through scripture, you see Paul giving up his body numerous times for the gospel's sake. And, and Paul lays all this out. I can do all these things. All these things. But then what does he say next? Very important truth. He says, but if I have no love, I have become a clashing or a clanging symbol. How does that sound? It sounds what? Noisy. Sounds loud. He's like, I can do all these things. All these things that I just listed for you but if I have no love I'm just I've just become a clashing symbol I can do all these things Paul says but if I have no love what is he saying there? another way of saying it it profits me nothing I can do all these things what else is he saying there when he says I've become a clashing symbol. It profits me nothing. He says, I gain nothing. Come on, I, I want you to see this scripture with me for a, for a moment. Right? I could speak in tongues. I have the gifts of prophecy. I understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge. I have faith. I can move mountains. I give, up, I give everything to the poor. I give up my body. I can do all those things, but with no love, 
I have no gain. I gain nothing. But Paul, you just listed a great thing. You listed a lot of good stuff. Yeah, but without love, it's nothing. It's, a, it's what he says, it's a clashing or it's a clanging symbol. As Paul writes this, I, I want to make sure you understand this. Paul's not writing to the Christians uh, that are in a church in Hialeah, Florida in 2019. Paul is writing this to his audience of his day. And when he would write a clashing or a clanging symbol, the audience that is reading this letter knew exactly what Paul was talking about. When Paul uses that phrase and uses that clashing symbol for a reason, and, and it would be recognized by his hearers, because the, the Greek word for this clashing symbol, for this sound that we're talking about here, it's alalazo, alalazo. Who cares how you say it? It's something like that. It's alalazo. But what's cool about alalazo is what it means. I mean, I like the alala part, alalazo. But what's cool about it is it's, it's what it represents. The, the word in the Greek for this clanging, this clashing of this symbol, alalazo, it means yes, to shout. It means yes, to ring loudly. It's like if I were to grab the symbols right now and, and put the mic on it and, and just let it echo through here. It's, it does mean that yes, to clang. But when he writes this down, when he says, I can do all these things, but I have no love, I'm a clashing symbol. It, they were familiar with what Paul was saying. And the reason why they were familiar is because Paul is writing to a people that weren't always serving the Lord. Paul is writing to a people that would actually worship false gods. And the reason why they were familiar with this clashing symbol, with this word in the Greek, alalazo, it's because many of his hearers, many of them had used in their time brass instruments and symbols as standard elements of pagan worship in their lives before Jesus Christ. So when he says, I could do all these great things, I could prophesy, and I have all the mysteries, and I have all the faith, and I have all the knowledge, but I have no love. I'm just a alalazo. And they're like, whoa, that's like what we used to use when we used to serve our gods. That was the worship and the offering that we used to give to our God before we came to know Christ. They were familiar with that word alalazo because it resonated with their past life before Jesus came into their lives. A second reason why they were familiar with the word alalazo, and it's another way in which Paul can be using it, was during this time when there was a war or a battle, the, the, the phrase alala, alala was a scream, was a yell. It was a frequent, repeated cry that soldiers would make as they would enter into battle. Can you imagine a massive, just a massive body of soldiers running to conquer a city and they're all screaming with, Allah, 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 Allah. And, and it's annoying right now just hearing me. Imagine having a thousand of me. Allah, Allah, Allah. And that's where they get the word alalazo. It's a shout. It's a desperate cry. It's, a, it's, it's just a noise. It's and I, and I started to think about that in my head. I started thinking about the clashing cymbal, the soldiers singing or crying, Allah. And I say this, imagine how annoying that is. Imagine the annoyance. 
Imagine the noise. Why do I say imagine the noise? Because who cares if a thousand or twenty thousand soldiers are running and going, Allah, 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 when you have a gun pointing right at them, Allah, what? It's a noise that is worthless. It's a shout that has no meaning. It's a clashing of a symbol that has no effect. It's just noisy. So I say, imagine the annoyance, the noise, a noise that has no real meaning or value to it. It's just loud for the sake of being loud. Now, be careful because I asked how many of you know loud people. Now, some of those people are just loud for the sake of being loud. Some of you get loud when you have to get loud. You know, there's a difference between the ones that know when to get loud and there's a difference with people that are always loud. You'll see what I'm talking about. It has nothing to do with screaming. You got to know when to get loud. And then there's people that are like, you just don't know when to be quiet. You know that the Lord doesn't even, Scripture doesn't even call us to always speak. Scripture actually says, you better be better at what? Be better at listening. Scripture teaches us to be slow to speak and be quick to hear. So scripture is showing us like, be better in your hearing than you do when you're talking. Because then you're going to miss things from your hearing that you could use when I give you the green light when you start talking. There's people that are always loud for the sake of being loud. And then there's people that I believe are called to be loud when it's their time to be loud. I'm thinking about the soldiers running and being loud for the sake of being loud. Or whether it was these individuals who would make a loud noise unto a false god just to, whatever it is, whether it was to enter battle or to enter into a false worship. It was all worthless. No value. The false gods weren't going to do nothing. And that scream does not mean that you're going to win your battle. <laughs> Very important. So what is Paul really saying? He's, he's really emphasizing to the listener here that, yes, it's a noise that's worthless. But not only is it a noise that's worthless, why is it worthless? Because it produces nothing. Do you guys know we're called to reproduce? Our whole faith is established on that. Go therefore and make. Okay, we can keep going. But, but it's a command to reproduce. To make. So, so it's, it's important that we understand this because. When Paul says this noise is worthless, the reason why it's worthless is because in the noise, in the sound, in the loudness of it, in the clashing, in the symbols crashing together, in all that detail that I'm trying to say, in all that stuff, it's of no value because at the end of it, when you're done yelling and screaming, there is no gain. <laughs> Love that. So I started to think about Proverbs 27, 14. I, I want to read this to you. Tell me, I, I want to relate these two passages together if I can. And I want you to try to see it with me. I think God's going to show us something here today. 
How many of you read this verse? Check this out. Proverbs 27, 14. It's up here. It says, whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as cursing. How many of you like that verse? You know, ask Nancy if she were to wake me up, just like, hey, you need to wake up. Like, it's just not good. You know, it's just. Like instantly, I'm, in, I'm just in a bad, you got me in a bad mood. Like there's a, there's a process. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, you know. But, but listen to what the author of Proverbs right? Whoever blesses his neighbor with a loud voice rising early in the morning will be counted as a cursing. As we read Proverbs 27, 14, and we read 1 Corinthians 13, and I want to relate these two things. I think that the verse in Proverbs right here is so insightful. Because what is it saying? You know that we can be friendly. Do not miss this. Because I, I pretty much once I say these things, then, I'm, then I'm, I'm going down in the message. So don't miss this part. You can be friendly to your neighbor. Uh, you can be sociable with your neighbor. Uh, you could even go to them with a blessing, or at least you think it's a blessing. <laughs> I'm going to take them some pie. And then what you don't notice is they're allergic to that pie. And then you're like, well, you trying to kill me. And oh, I meant to be a blessing. <laughs> Sorry. Or you go to sing them a song. And like, oh, my God, that song takes me back to five years ago when this happened to me. I can't believe you just can't. And like, oh, my God, I meant, I meant for it to be good. You know, anything that you meant to be good could actually turn, <laughs> turn on you and bite you, you know, in the butt and become a cursing to you. And, and I love this passage because, yes, we could be friendly to our neighbor. We could be sociable to them and and we could think well we, i want to be a blessing and your listen your thoughts and your intentions may have been have, may have meant well you know I, I say this ready well today i'll go to my neighbors and i'm going to bless them early this leave that verse up there proverbs <clears throat> so today i'm going to wake up early in the morning and i'm going to go to my neighbors um house and i'm going to bless him this morning um and and with my beautiful voice surely um they're going to appreciate my visitation as a gift. Surely. I'm going to go early in the morning to my neighbors and sing them a song. And they're going to be so happy to hear me sing. But what you don't know is <laughs> that what you believe to be a blessing and what you believe to be anointed and what you believe to be a gifting to your neighbor at that moment is actually loud and it's not a blessing for them. One commentary puts it this way. Friendliness can seem obnoxious to a neighbor. Even in being sociable, one should always be tactful. So I guess what I'm trying to build here is this. That that which should be a blessing can now become obnoxious. You know, there's another scripture that says, be careful. And I'm paraphrasing it, summarizing it. Or giving my own commentary to it. It says, be careful how often you step foot in your neighbor's house. You know what scripture says that? Don't take advantage of friendship. Because there, be a, there might be a day where your visitation is no longer wanted. <laughs> that's a far, Whatever, you take the revelation for whatever you want. But that's something serious, you know. Like honor those visitations. And honor them when you have them. But don't take advantage of them. 
So, so here's a person with a blessing to them, but it becomes, an, it becomes obnoxious to someone else. And, and the call is, wait a minute, don't be obnoxious. In the blessing, you should be tactful. What do I mean by tactful? The, the word means to be considerate. You need to be sensitive. You need to be filled with understanding. You need to be thoughtful. You need to be delicate. We learned last week, I believe, you need to be what? You guys are bad. Tender. We got to be tender. So, so Paul is telling the church of Corinth, please, let's go back to 1 Corinthians 13 and let's relate it to Proverbs here. Paul is telling Corinth, I can minister in my gifts. Everyone say that. My God, aren't they beautiful too? I can minister, say it one more time with me. I can minister in my gifts. Yes, I can minister in my gifts. He writes this. I can speak in tongues. I can prophesy and understand all mysteries. And I can have all knowledge. And I can have all the faith. And I can donate to the poor. And I can even lay down my life. I can do all these things. My God. God, am I gifted? Wow, is the Lord's favor truly upon me? What we miss is that what we believe can be a great blessed gift from God now becomes an annoyance and it becomes obnoxious to your neighbor. But I'm the anointed man of God. But was that exactly what God wanted you to do? All right, we'll keep going. Everyone say, don't be noisy. How does a person with a blessing go to their neighbor's house and that which is to be a blessing becomes an annoyance? I believe that this immediately happens when love is not the key factor in which all ministry and gifts operate from. I believe that when we take our gifts to our neighbor's house and it's not flowing through love, I believe there is no gain. I believe there is no profit. I believe there is no investment. Are, are you guys with me? I, I think that, man, I think that the power and, and, and the depth and, 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 and the, the ripple effect of, of your grace that God's given you, of the gift that God's given you, of the anointing that God's given you, it's when it operates from a deep place of love. And when you lose that place of love and you still think that God's given me the ability to operate in such a great gift outside of operating from what really matters, which is love, now the gift that you have to give to your neighbor instead of becoming a blessing because it's not operating in love now becomes la, 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 a loud noise and it becomes clashing symbols. It's of no profit of no use it's it's not valuable how scary it would be to have a calling in my life to have a calling in my life but yet as I'm offering it as it falls there is no value in where it falls there is no worth what do I mean by that there is no investment what is that it's not reproducing that's a scary place to be don't be noisy. Say it again. Love's got to be the place where we operate from. I can do all these things, but if there is no love, what Paul is saying is, I'm just noise. I, uh, loving neighbor. Loving neighbor. Listen up, loving neighbors. 
I can do all these things because I'm a loving neighbor. But if there is no love, I am just noise. Instead of being, or, or I'm just obnoxious, like we, the word we use. Instead of being a blessing to my neighbor, I now, it now, forget I, it now becomes a cursing or a curse to me. See, wh- wh- why do I say this? Because as a loving neighbor, what should the loving neighbor have operated in? He should have operated in what? In consideration. In what? In sensitivity. He should have had understanding and been thoughtful and delicate. And he should have been tender. Why? Because those are the words that describe love. I want every single person to write this down. You can't offer up a gift in honor if it's not coming from the place of love. The greatest honor, the gift of honor that we could give to someone or to the Lord himself, it has to come from the place of love. Think about what we said. Oh, this morning, my neighbor needs my gift. My neighbor needs the gift of my voice, the anointing of what I have to say. This morning, God's sending me to sing to them in my anointing. Speak to them in my gifting. Do this for them because I'm well, God's anointed man. And the answer is no, they don't. Maybe that's not what they needed and you missed it. Maybe all they needed was love. At that moment, maybe all they needed was tenderness that comes with it. And if you operate from there, you'll always be successful in your gift and in your ministry and in your anointing. But there is no anointed man or woman if they're not rooted in God's great love. There is no way that you could be moving and flowing through the gift if you haven't fully understand what it is to be loved by God and love God back. That's where a true loving neighbor is found. Sometimes as a loving neighbor, we feel like, uh, we feel like we have a truth. But just because you have a truth, it doesn't mean that that truth is for that, for that, for that time. For that place, in that scenario. What, what Proverbs says is, if not, it comes back to you as a curse. That which is to bless someone now begins to annoy the individual. That which is to bring them in, what does it do in Proverbs now? It begins to push them away. What is, what is the gospel? What, what, what is Christ? What is the ministry of Christ? It's to bring in. It's to bring people in so that they can come to know him. But when we operate falsely, we're pushing them away. We're, we're not bringing them in. We're annoying them. And Paul comes to this place where he writes, it profits me nothing. I gain nothing. You know what one translation says? I love this one. Ready? Not only does it profit me nothing, not only the, and you guys that are into like banking and into money and to investing and all that, you're gonna like this one not, not only does it profit me nothing not only do I gain nothing but watch this what Paul is really saying is if I operate in all these gifts and I have no love the reality is is I'm left bankrupt I'm left bankrupt I'm giving to someone falsely because when they come into my account there's nothing in there to testify that I have Paul says, I gain nothing. It is of no profit. I am left bankrupt. I will find no profit in it. I I thought about this. Any farmer who puts in hard work into his field. I know in Miami it's difficult. We're not really 
not much farmers in here, I'm guessing. But any farmer who puts in hard work into his field does it with the desire to see a profit. No one just says, why are you farming? Because I just love to be out here in the sun. I just love to be scorched by the sun. I love the hard labor. It's like it really triggers me. I doubt any farmer says that. But the farmer says because there's a season that comes that all the hard labor is worth it when the harvest comes. Any farmer who puts in hard work into his field does it with the desire to see a profit, yes? A profit, a gain from his investment. After investing in hard labor comes the harvest that he is to receive. Like for example, why do you guys go to work every day? You go to work because you're going to get a paycheck. If you, over, if you overdo it and you don't go to work, that's what's going to start happening to you. You're going to stop getting paychecks. But you work so you can get a paycheck. Some of you guys love what you do. Some of you guys are really praying about what you're doing. And you dislike it. But, but whatever it is that you're doing, you're doing it for a profit, for a gain. I'm putting this work in so that I can receive. I'm investing so that I can receive a harvest. James in chapter 5 verse 7 tells us that a farmer waits patiently for the rains of the seasons. He waits for it to end and look what he says. He eagerly looks for the valuable harvest to ripen. That's the life of a farmer. He, 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 he puts in so much hard work. He puts in so much stuff. And, and then the rain comes. The supernatural comes. God's going to bring the growth, right? He's doing something. And he's just waiting. He's looking outside of his window. And he's waiting, what James says, for valuable harvest to rise, to ripen. He's like, finally, that in which I've poured into, now I could what? Receive from. I think one of the greatest things that you're going to understand in life is this. When you start to receive from the ones that you start to pour into. It's like children. It's like fatherhood. As a father, you pour into your child. And I love when my parents always tell me, one day it will come back to you and you're going to have to take care of me. You're going to have to pick me up from the home. You're going to have to feed me. I have to clean me. You know, one of them is here, so I have to be careful. The beauty behind this is that that in which you pour into, one day you'll be able to also receive from. Loving neighbor, think about this. Loving neighbor, I'm calling you out. Loving neighbor is the gift of love, the gift of love, of, of, of planting seeds in the field. That, that in the proper season, the investment of your sowing, will it produce a harvest of great love? I'm a loving neighbor. How are you doing with it? Are you planting? Are you, are you throwing seeds? Are you investing into the field? Because there's going to be a day that that individual in which you're investing God's love into, and you're investing God's love into, that you're investing God's love into, there will be a time that as you plant and you water, as you plant and you water, God will bring forth the harvest and you'll see the growth and you'll receive from that which you finally invested in. A loving neighbor will work hard and will operate from the place of love. And sometimes the sun is scorching you and sometimes it could be hard and sometimes it could be difficult because you've learned if you're in any kind of relationship that love surpasses a feeling and it starts to become a decision of commitment and honor to the person that I'm saying I love. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to continue to love. I'm going to continue to love through the good and through the bad and, and through the ups and through the downs and through the snow and through the sun. I'm going to continue to invest and I'm going to continue to throw seeds of love into the field. And when the harvest comes, I will reap the benefits of that in which I've sowed and that in which I've put hard labor into in the field. A loving neighbor does that. The gift of love and a loving neighbor is, th think about Paul here for a moment as we go back here. Oh, I prophesy. I speak in tongues. I, I understand mysteries. I have knowledge. I have great faith. I move mountains. I give to the poor. I offer up my life. How many of you don't, don't yeah, you know what, don't raise your hand, rhetorical, but how many of you could relate to some of these gifts? Think about that. I prophesy, speak in tongues, understand mysteries, I have knowledge, I have great faith, I move mountains, I give to the poor, I, I will offer up my life. And I will say this to you, all that is fine. All that is great, it's fine, but question is, do you have and do you give love? Until then, all that we have to offer profits nothing and it's of no gain. So the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues and the gifts of mysteries and the gift of knowing, having knowledge and the gifts of faith and the gift of, of giving and the gift of offering up your own life, all those things, if it's not operating through love, it profits and it gains nothing. It's what? What is it? It's a what? A clashing, a clanging symbol. It's the noise of, ah, la, la, and I don't want to dare to do it. It's a clashing symbol. What I mean is this, it's just, it's just a lot of great sound with no real substance. What makes, your subst what makes you have substance is that yes, you have a great gift and you might have something to give your neighbor and you have something that you could operate from, a gifting, an anointing, a special something that God's giving you. But, but, but what gives you substance is that when they begin to do life with you and they begin to receive from the fruit of the tree, they recognize that the roots are rooted deep in God's love. And what they really get is not the prophecy because the prophecy comes and the prophecy's passed. And when every single one of those gifts of prophecy's passed, now you're just left with the person. And what happens with that person? They better be rooted in love. This is what I'm trying to tell you. It's a clashing symbol. It's a great sound with no real substance. A lot of great things have been built. A lot of great things have grown. A lot of great things have been established. But when you begin to dig deeper, some of these things hold no real substance. The greatest fear as an individual and as a church body is that it's this. And I'm, I'm going to read it to you as I wrote it. Is that we win in building and doing great things, but we lose on having substance in what really matters. It will profit us nothing if it's not flowing from the place of love. Everyone say loving neighbor. The word substance is an interesting word. I, I looked it up. One of the definitions is as such. Check this out. The word substance means the real physical matter of which a person or thing consists and which has a tangible, solid presence. Love, is it, is it, 
Is it the substance of who you are? And as we've spoken before, that love would operate, as we said, in truth. That love operates in grace. That love operates in wisdom. A loving neighbor is one who is considerate, who is sensitive, who is understanding, who is thoughtful, delicate, who is tender. That we'd be loving neighbors fully living out with true, true substance of love. A true substance of love. You know what? Go back to 1 Corinthians 13. We just read what? Verses 1 through 3, I believe. 1, 2, and 3 we read. Let's go to verse 4. All the way down to 13. Just look at the wisdom. Look at the grace behind love. Tell me where we're at with this stuff. When we say that we got to have the substance, we got to be filled with the substance of love. and It's got to be deeply in us. Paul continues to write, and I'm going to actually read it from uh, Peterson's translation in the message. He has a, an interesting way of wording it, but follow with me in your translation. But look how he writes it. He says, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. It doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself on others, like the loving neighbor that... Forces their gift on others. Love isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. It, it takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. Love trusts God always. Always looks for the best. It never looks back but keeps going to the end. How many of you can say amen? He goes on and says, love never dies. I think I'm in verse 8 now. Inspired speech will be over someday. Praying in tongues will end. Understanding will reach its limit. He's going back to what he said in verses 1, 2, and 3. We know only a portion of the truth. And what we say about God is always incomplete. But when the complete arrives, our incompletes will be canceled. Verse 11, when I was an infant at my mother's breast, I gurgled and cooed like any infant. When I grew up, I left those infant ways for good. We don't yet see things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist. But it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. And we'll see it all then. See it as clearly as God sees us, knowing him directly, just as he knows us. We're going to see clearly. We're going to see clearly. What, what is it? What is it? Look at verse 13. But right now, until this day of completeness, this is how we operate. We have three things to do to lead us toward. It's trust steadily in, God's, in, God, in God. That's faith. We have faith, hope unswervingly, that's hope, and love extravagantly, that's love. And the best of all these three, faith, hope, and love, the best is love. The apostle Paul, with all his gifts, with all the hope that he's written, with all the faith that he has... Yet he comes to a place to Corinth and he says the greatest gift, the greatest of all that you could have is love. That you're moved by love. The New King James says abide now in this, in faith, hope, and love. These three abide in them. But the greatest of all these three that you abide in, it is love. So love causes us to operate in what? In all that we do, even in what? In whatever God's called you to minister in and through. Whatever it is he's calling you to minister to, whatever he's calling you to, to have grace upon, it's a love. I love Romans chapter 12. Uh, I'm going to ask uh, maybe worship to start coming up. But, but look at Romans 12 verses 9 through 13. Paul writes this. 
And he's, he's really touching the heart of the believer here. And in chapter 12, verse 9, he says, don't just pretend to love others. How many of you have ever pretended to love someone? How many of you have looked at someone and said, I love you? And deep down inside, the last thing you do is love them. But it's the thing to say, I love you. Paul confronts this and says, don't just pretend to love others, but guess what he says next? He says, really love them. New King James says it, let love be without hypocrisy. The ESV says, let love be genuine. Without hypocrisy, genuineness, don't pretend, truly love them. And then he goes on, he says this, you hate what is wrong and you hold tightly, you cling to what is good. And look what he says in verse 10, love each other with genuine affection Take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. What, 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 is, what is love? Love isn't lazy. What is love? Look what he says. But work hard. And serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice, verse 12, in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. All of this stuff is still branching from the word love. Keep on praying. A couple weeks ago, we were challenged with our prayer life in love. Verse 13, when God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. How can we always be ready to help people? How can we practice hospitality? Ain't no way it's going to happen if there's not love. Christian love. I was reading an article and one person compares it to a battery. Christian love, he says, is something like a battery. There's two poles. For current to flow. There's a positive terminal and he says there's a negative terminal. In biblical thinking, love cannot be separated from hate. He says this, and I love this part. Love is a choice. Love is a decision. And I, and I highlighted this. It is a decision to choose one thing and to reject the other. I'm a loving neighbor. It reminded me of Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. You will hate one and you will love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you will despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to another master. Most Christians' frustrations, most of the Christians' downfall is because of this verse. Part of them is serving and wants to love God. But part of them is serving that, sharing that love with another master. And scripture is very clear and he says you can't serve two masters. You need to finally come to a place to decide whether you're going to love the things that need to be loved and despise and reject the things that need to be rejected. If you can, write this down in your notes. I feel like this is such a powerful sentence. Our love as Christians is to be both a response to God's love. Key word there is the word response. Our love as Christians is to be both a response to God's love and number two, a reflection of his love. Loving neighbor, you respond. You respond to his love, but it doesn't end there. Number two, 
you reflect his love now. You know, I look at some of these thoughts and I say, man, we've come a long way from where we started. We started with the parable of Jesus with the Good Samaritan some five weeks ago. And today we're saying, don't be noisy. And we looked at the first three verses of 1 Corinthians 13 and, and we looked at Proverbs 27, 14. And the Lord was really taking me to a place of Regal, you really got to examine your life. And if you've heard our, my last preachings, you've seen how God's been dealing with me. Some of you are, I've, I've sent you maybe some text messages or I've called you and we've talked about some things and in our, some of our conversations about how, how the Lord is really challenging the way I view love. The other day I said something like, be careful what you pray into. Because then one day you're going to have to serve it. Some two days later, God tested me with that word. Are you going to practice what you preach? And he's showing me as we get into this fifth part, or we go from the outside where you just have a show that seems good. But inside there's no real substance of love. And all that show, what it really is, it's of no substance, of no gain. All it is, it's you being noisy. And what is good of you being noisy when it's not reproducing the love that I've given to you into other people's lives? And this whole passage of Paul saying, I could do any of these things. But if I have low love, I'm bankrupt. And then the author of Proverbs says, right, and you go to your neighbor's house with a blessing, with a la-la-la. A lazo, a loud noise. But instead it comes back to you as a cursing. Because I've come to realize that it doesn't matter how much money or money you do or don't have. Because there's some things that money can't buy. It doesn't matter how good of a preacher you are or you're not. It doesn't matter how good you could give yourself up to serve other people. God is showing me that all those things don't matter if it's not operating from the truth and with substance of what my real love is. If not, why do you minister? Why do you serve? Why do you preach? Why do you sing? Why do you love on that person the way you say you do? Is it because it's rooted in my love or is it just a lot of noise that in the end, it will not even affect their heart. It's got to be rooted in love. It can't be rooted in the things that you do. It's got to be rooted in the person in which you do it for. It's got to be in that love. And then the blessing to my neighbor's house becomes a blessing to them. Then I can prophesy because I have love. Then I could speak in tongue because I have love. Then I could fill in the blank because I have love I'm going to ask you just to meditate on that stand up with me and as we get ready to close and, and just see where you're at and see where your heart is and maybe today you're, you're here and you recognize like I, the last thing I want to be and do is to be a noisy a noisy person for the sake of being noisy 
I don't want to just be loud to be loud. But I want there to be substance in me. I don't want to ever go to a neighbor. As a loving neighbor, I don't want to ever go to a neighbor and offer up a gift, offer up a blessing. And as I offer it up, it profits nothing. It's of no gain. But Lord, that we would be truly loving neighbors. That in the season in which we go to be a blessing to other neighbors, that it will be fruitful. That it will produce fruit. That, that it will be a blessing, not an annoyance. That it will be productive, not obnoxious. But that whenever I have anything to offer, it could be offered up in honor because this thing that I'm offering, it's rooted in something great and it's the love of God. Lord, the thing that we fear right now, Lord, is that we'd be noisy and win in so many things but lose on what really matters, which is at the end when everything, when the words are done, when the song is done, when the smoke clears, do we still stand before the neighbor as a loving neighbor offering the substance of love that is alive in us. Come on church, don't be noisy. Don't just be noisy. Don't be a clashing symbol. Don't just feel like, oh, this is my gift and my anointing. This is what I'm going to do for them or do to them or say to them or go over here. But where is your love? Like search deep into your love and make sure that whatever it is that you will do and operate, make sure it comes from the place where you are stationed, positioned in God's great love. That it's in you and it's flowing through you. So that when you do give that gift, it's received as a blessing and it's not rejected and returned back as a cursing. As we close up today, and this is for you and you're saying, I don't want to be a noisy, a noisy neighbor. I want to be a, a loving neighbor. Right there where you're at, just open up your heart and just spend a moment in prayer. And just say, Lord, clear the noise. I don't want to be a noisy neighbor. I want to be a loving neighbor. Take all the clashing the clanging symbols away. Lord, remove me from all the gifts, from all the things I can do. Strip all those things if they need to be stripped right now. And teach me what it means to really love. To know love and then to be love. So when I pick up the gift again, it could be from that place the place of a loving neighbor. I don't want to be the neighbor that when my neighbor sees me walking around the corner, they tell the rest of their family, get in your rooms, close the windows, no one make a sound. Pretend like you're not here. Our neighbor's coming. We all know what we're talking about. But Lord, I want that when I'm coming across the corner, my neighbor would say, open your windows, bake the cake, 
Let the door swing open. Everyone come out of the rooms. And let's greet our neighbor. For he's filled with love. Lord, loving neighbor. Not someone that pushes people off. But a love that is so contagious that brings people in. I don't want people to be around me that they have to cover their ears. Because my God, you're so annoying with the things that you know and what you have to give. But in reality, you really suck at giving love and it just hurts my ears to be around you. Lord, I don't want to hurt people's ears with noise. And not affect their hearts with love. Let my words have weight. Let our words have weight because we're rooted in love. Let our gifts have weight because we're rooted in love. Let all that we do for you and for others, let it profit, let it gain, let it have a great harvest. Because Lord, we, because of the love that's living inside and the love that's pouring out of us. I pray that this church will continue to deepen in love. That loving neighbor will not just be a series that a year from now we forget about. But every weekend that we've had together, that it would be something that penetrated our core. Something that cuts through the inside. That you're calling us to greater. You're calling us to something different. You're calling us to a deeper love that we will receive such a beautiful prophet and Lord we will be able to pour out from that so that others may also receive from that love I want to be able to rise up early in the morning or to walk out late in the evening and be able to go to my neighbor's house and be a song a melody of blessing to their soul because I'm operating I'm operating from the place of God's great love not just from the place of noise. Let this be a church that does just that. 